Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome into the Seminole Rap Podcast here. It's July 24th. As we record, you probably listen to the 25th because we drop it to the Monday after. It doesn't matter. I'm your host, Brian Pellerin here. Uh, two days before FSU football reports for camp. Uh, finally, the exciting time where we can really start actually building towards the football season. The the uh, inter-squad practices and I guess the unofficial, I guess it's official preseason now. I've been saying unofficial for so many months. It's It's what it is, but... Finally, some guys showing up, putting on jerseys, wearing pads, and getting ready for the year. We have something to talk about, guys. How exciting. It's uh, it's Brian Peller and your host, as I mentioned before, John Marchant, Max Escarpio, the Seminole rap crew, happy to actually talk some football. And I think our, our rundown for the day will start a little FSU focus. Just coming into camp, everyone, I guess at this point, is yeah, as healthy as they're going to be the whole year. You know, football puts the wear and tear on every team. And uh, everyone feels good about their team, I presume, except maybe, you know, some of the some of the lower runs in the conference. So we'll talk a little bit about that, where where FSU ranks in the conference overall uh, compared to other schools. I don't think we're doing a full power ranking, but more or less who's better than FSU, who's about the same and who's worse as we feel right now. Of course, that'll that'll change depending on turning ankles and all that over the next couple of months. Uh, we'll go back to our ACC commissioner conversation, too, that we had before about uh, now that he's he's given his speech on conference realignment and, and as um, as I'm sure John is feeling, it was it was everything we hoped and less. Um, it was a wonderful, wonderful comment. So we'll get to that later. But I do want to start like I mentioned, everything starts healthy and fresh and it's a new year starting on, I guess, Tuesday or Wednesday for for the start of camp. Uh, 
So I want to look first at, at FSU specifically and kind of strengths, weaknesses, where we feel great. If you haven't already checked them out, there's a lot of uh, position previews that have been that we've been putting out all throughout the summer. There's a lot of them already out. Some still coming up this week. I was just working on defensive line one earlier today, uh, which is actually a perfect transition because, John, I'll come to you first, man. If you're looking for strengths on this team, where do you feel confident? And I feel like D-line's got to be one of them. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I think the defense is going to be in good shape. A lot of people thought that they're, they're, they're talking about this defense being one of the best in the ACC. I'm not quite sure yet. I want to see it. Uh, the secondary for the last couple of years has been kind of less than some of their parts, I felt like, right? They've had some good yeah. players, some talent on there, but they haven't really, I don't know, it's just not what, as a unit, what you kind of want to see. Um, and again, I don't put that on Adam Fuller and stuff like that. I think that this team we found out was not nearly as talented as some people had thought it might be. Um, but and then on the offensive side, I think running back solid. I think the offensive line is now solidly at least uh, um, middle of the ACC pack, right? They're not bad anymore. Come a long, long way from um, those years with, with Cam Akers, unfortunately, you know, he he had to play against uh, behind a horrible offensive line, but doing everything um, he can and, just to and get the, to the line of scrimmage. Right. And <laughs> six guys. Um, and I think Jordan Travis, we know what he is and that he's solid. So I think the running game again with Mike Norvell and, and the way that the talent is built on offense, you know, the running game is going to be real good. You're going to get 200, 250 yards rushing every single game, pretty much um, unless someone sells out to stop you. It's the passing game. I'm still worried about. Um, and, and again, on defense, I think they're going to be pretty solid. We'll, we'll see what their exact strengths or weaknesses are, but I do think they're going to have a pretty solid defensive line. It's not going to be, I think they're going to take a step back from last year. Um, but, uh, losing some of the guys that they lost to the NFL or whatever, but, uh, they'll still be good. Yeah. I, I guess when I, I, I like I said, I, I wrote the preview, it actually drops on Tuesday, but if you listen here, congrats, you get a preview because it's fresh in my mind. I felt like they were really almost top heavy when I, when I kind of wrote it, I felt like they've got four guys that, well, I guess you, maybe you don't know what Jared Verse is yet, but it seems like he checks the boxes that are there. I felt like you've got four guys you feel really, really good about. And then I, I just, I didn't really know how to feel about what was behind them. Um, just looking at the reps they've had, the, the playing time they've had, I, I don't know where to feel there but I mean when you look at this roster like we've talked about plenty of times when you're rebuilding the depth isn't just going to always be there um you know and it, that seems to be many of the positions and it could just be the nature of college football at this point with transfer portal and um you know what comes with that where guys if they don't get their job you know maybe they look around I mean that, that's just kind of the nature of depth and things but um obviously coming off of ACC kickoff the big the big guy was Jordan Travis and I guess his first year where you know he's the starter max how much do you think that that helps and and I, I assume that then makes that position a strength where you're really not worried and maybe your worry is somewhere else yeah well he's growing a relationship with Norville throughout the offseason now he has tow cars he had Dillingham last year so he's thrown comfortable with these people now and he's it's not a season where he's going in and saying like last season it was with Mackenzie Milton before he had to compete for his job this season he's not competing for his job he's not competing for his starting role he just needs to he can't be on the injury list anymore. He just needs yeah. to be on the field, but he's not competing for anything. And I think he has a great bond with these coaches now. So we'll see what he can do with that. Where else do you see the strengths on the team? Where else do you maybe look and go, Ooh, that's going to be, a, that, that could be a problem. Well, we were talking about the defensive line and you talked about that you were doing the preview. I was actually doing the preview for the linebackers and there's some strength in the linebackers room and there's some, still some questions to be answered there. 
Kalen Deloach had a great season last year. He's probably going to be one of the leaders there. Another dark horse that's going to be there is, is Tatum Bethune. We didn't get to see him in the spring game, so we don't know really how he's going to fit in, what he's going to do yet. We saw him in practice. He's a player that he has strengths not only in pass coverage, but in run stop. He's a good vet. He's a good leader. So we'll see what he can do. And two players that we need him to step up are, in my opinion, Amari Gaynor and DJ Lundy. We need to see what they can do. And we need them to be more consistent next year. Sometimes they shine. DJ Lundy signed against, I think it was Florida last year at the end of the season. So we need them to be more consistent. And we'll see what that linebacking room can do. And, and we always seem to go back to the same phrase, pass catchers. Hopefully one of these transfers hits. Hopefully someone else grows up, right? I mean, wh- is there anyone, Max, maybe that you think is, is, is someone to watch maybe in camp? I'd say Micah Pittman. I mean, they were working a lot with him in spring ball. I mean, we talked a lot about Johnny Wilson. He tweaked his ankle in camp. He had like some, sometimes. Spring camp, would, right? Yeah. Sometimes he would do good. Sometimes he wouldn't. Sometimes he would have a big play. And then sometimes he would have a way smaller corner on him. Still couldn't do anything. And I was one that was like really hyped to see what he can do. I would look towards Micah Pittman. I would definitely look towards Malik McLean. I think he's going to have a big year. I think he's bound for not, not a crazy breakout year, but he's going to keep climbing that ladder because I think he's going to be a great player. Another player, Josh, Joshua Burrow, he was injured last season. So let's see what he can do. I think you said John's two favorite words on the Florida Seminoles, Florida State Seminoles <laughs> roster was Malik McLean, right? Yeah, I'm a big fan of McLean. I think he, he could be a good player. I don't know if he's going to be number one. I don't know if this – I get – I mean, wide receiver is easily the worst position group on the team last year. So, <laughs> I, Yeah, easily. I, I, I'm looking for something, but I, I'm not holding my breath. I think, it, again, it'll be a little bit more one-dimensional than I, we would want them to be. But I, I do think they're going to be better than last year. Yeah, I guess the one thing there, right, is is how much – uh, no, I mean, it sounds offensive, but how much worse could they be? You know, it felt like last year, whenever they had the shot at a big play, it just hit a guy in the hands and, you know, roll off the field. And you're like, well, great. That was a 70 yard touchdown. It seems it, like they have some options this year, though. Yeah. Like, yeah. Ty yeah. Douglas, Keyshawn Helton. They have a bunch of Malik McLean, Joshua Burrow. Like, they have answers to, like, whatever you want to do, you have different people. They just have to show up and they have to be ready for it. I hundred percent agree with that. I, I think, um, yeah, they have a lot of different kind of styles of guys. You yeah. know, uh, Evan Kentron point, point uh, what's his last name? Portier. He's, he's got that kind of big frame or whatever, you know, he can catch those comebacks and things outside. I, I agree with you. They have kind of every kind of different skill set you want, but I think it's a make or break year for Dugans. Right. I, I mean, we've yeah. seen some of that development across the rest of the roster though. Right. And all these other position groups, they're starting to develop in ways we hadn't seen since near the end of the Jimbo era. Uh, but we haven't seen that from the wide receivers. Again, there's, there is a talent issue. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but you, I mean, even McLean, these guys, some of these guys have been in the program for three years now, right. Even maybe four it's, it's time. It's time that we see something. If we don't, uh, you know, it's Norvell's job, right? I mean, he's probably gonna have to fire assistants, you know, to save himself. We'll we'll see. I'm we're getting ahead of, or I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> but I'm just saying, John John loves to run to the fire Norvell conversation, <laughs> but he always does it in like the here, here's what we need to do before we do that. Just make sure we don't just just go crazy. Mm-hmm. Don't fire him. That's John's favorite. Uh, yeah. I do think, but you made a good point too, John, on, on the, almost the same vein as the offensive line, just not being terrible, just be okay because you've got. Jordan Travis, who can take okay and make it extraordinary, and 
you know, you talked about the running backs. It, it's there's a lot of guys. So if you just have the offensive line give you okay, you're in a good spot. Yeah, I, I look. I'm really excited about the future of, of this offensive line. I think they've yeah. recruited some really good talent. It either Lots they're going to realize. Right. Either they're going to realize that potential under Rovell, or if he gets fired, the next coach is going to reap those benefits of what they're building here. Are they there yet? No, but they're, I feel like they're on the trajectory to being one of the better offensive line units in the conference. They're just not there yet, but they've come a really long way from, from 2018, 2016, things like that. So I, again, I hope Norvell sees it through just because his philosophy, I think is would be so effective with a really talented group up front that he hasn't really had yet. Uh, but I do think they're going to be solid this year. Just it, It'd just be frustrating to have a coach who would fit such good talent up front and, and then to lose it right when you're going to realize, you know what I'm saying, that talent up front, yeah. to be able to do some really fun, special things. But it, it'll be what it is. We'll find out. And I, and I don't want to do the schedule conversation, but I feel like when I look at the roster overall and, and the coaching and where they are, they seem to be with the combination of, as you mentioned, I think the defense, if they can all most for the large part, stay healthy and you get the production you kind of expect, especially in the DBs and the D line, you've got a really good group. And then with Jordan Travis's explosion, the, the running ability. And again, it's another, if he can stay healthy, but that's the name of football, especially with a running quarterback. If he stays healthy, you have what I'm going to call a puncher's chance in every game for the most part. And that's all you, I mean, maybe that's a seven and five roster, but that's fun. At least you can, you, you know, every Saturday you've got a chance to win, which is probably better than where you've been a lot recently. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I think they were three and three maybe in one score games last year, but they played six, one score games, right? Yeah, it's a ton. And they finished five and seven. They could have easily gone seven and five and got to a bowl game. And I know Adam and I, and even on this pod, we talked a lot about it. Even, you know, it's how Nation as a whole last year was that trajectory, you know, in the Bobby Bowden thing, you win, you win, you lose a lot, then you lose a little, then you win a lot, and then you or win a little, win and then you win a lot. lot. Right. And we thought last year was the lose a little, and that kind of ended up, you know, how it went. Um, they cut a, a couple of games, could have gone their way, and it just didn't. Like Notre Dame, obviously, right out of the back, kind of set the tone for the rest of the year. What we saw, uh, we're not going to mention Jacksonville State. What uh, game? Uh, I don't <laughs> know. So, but I do think this might be the win a little season, right? So I, I, you would hope maybe if you had a little bit of bad luck last year in the one score games, maybe it turns into your favor this year. That's typically how it goes. But ending at 50 50 last year, who knows? But again, if you end up, you know, say you get four one score games, you do three and one, and FSU's making a bowl game, right? So right. I do think this is going to be the win a little year. Uh, but again, it's to Max's point, right? From earlier. It's consistency that we're looking for across the whole roster. I think one of the most important parts is, though, you have a lot of players who are coming back, like Jamie Robinson, who won one of the best awards in the conference, is coming back. You have a lot of players, like Fabian Lovett. You have yeah. the team is is not – last year they were they had a bunch of pieces who were work, trying to work with each other and introducing each other to the new schemes. But this season I think that – it's just so many players that have already worked with each other. So we'll see how they can work as a unit next season. And it's a good point because when you rely a lot on the transfers, you end up having just here's a bunch of new faces and hope it works. But if you can at least and, – and that's, like I said earlier, kind of part of the new nature of college football. But if you have those core pieces to be the leaders of the units and you can just have those transfers in, just do what they're supposed to do instead of asking them to be Jermaine Johnson, 
then that that makes a lot more of them. You know, if you if you have Andrew Parchment come in and just be like, hey, just make a couple of grabs, but don't be wide receiver one. You know, that probably helps a lot. Um, so you know, if if they can find those things, that's great. So again, I, I don't want to do the schedule show. So what we're doing instead is the power ranking show, is what I'll call it. I haven't seen, and and you guys can let me know if I missed it. An ACC kickoff media poll for where teams finish projected winners i haven't seen it so i don't believe it to exist so i'm forcing these guys to do it i forced them to send me before the show kind of their rankings and i'm not i'm not doing it is it one to 14 i think it is uh i'm making you do i made them do it in the groupings uh one these teams are definitely better than fsu two these teams are about the same and three these teams are worse definitely worse um, which I think is fair, right? I think, I think that's probably the easier way to go about it. It's, camp hasn't even started for these teams. We're still a month probably away from any of them even seeing the field. So it's a spot to just be like, hey, from what I know about this roster, from where I feel confident in FSU's team, this is where I think we can end up anywhere in this range. Again, the football isn't round, so any bounce goes anyway, and that's why I think you just end up with a large middle toss-up area. So I want to start with the bottom, the teams that are definitely worse, because I think we'll kind of slide through those rather quickly. You guys are pretty much in agreement. Uh, The three you guys both agreed on that were definitely worse than FSU, Syracuse, Georgia Tech, and Duke. I really don't see much in the way there to to hold us on. Anyone have anything they care to say about the three of them? I I, I see some shaking heads that say no. Uh, My only comment will be, because of that game last year that we won't talk about, I... (laughs) I, I, I mean, at this point forward, Florida State can absolutely under Novell lose to any team. I, we can't say Correct. that they can't because that team was a lot worse than those three we just listed off. So yeah. I, I'm just going to put that out there, although I do think Florida State is definitely easily better than those. Than those. So, so on that one, too, and, and again, all of this, like I said, we're doing it with the caveat of this is pre-camp. Rosters will drastically change. Kids could get suspended. You know, there's lots that can change. Some guy falls on his ankle and next thing you know, you know, somebody star player is out of there. I think was it Boston College who lost their best guard, who's like a top prospect in the draft. You know, I mean, those types of things, they're going to happen. So, I mean, that was a spring injury, but, you know, those things will happen and, and rosters will change. And as John said, uh, any any given day with this roster, especially because someone can land on, on your quarterback's leg and then I won't even put his name on that, but. Uh, you know, that changes everything you are really, really quickly. Uh, so the two you guys actually disagreed with in that range, Max had Virginia Tech as worse than FSU. John had him as a coin toss. And then vice versa was John had Boston College worse than FSU and Max had them as a coin toss. Uh, anyone feel confidently in why they think either Boston College or Virginia Tech belongs in the coin toss versus the definitely worse Personally, I think Boston College goes in the coin toss on quarterback alone. Um, I think with uh, it was a jer- jer- help me out there, Max. Jer- you got to know. It's like Phil Jerkovich. 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 Something like that. I, I think he's fun. Um, but again, you just went there last week and beat them, so I-, I can see John's point there. Maybe that's where it came from. Um, a little bit, yeah. He he's good. I'm not going to say he's not, but it's the rest of the roster. Yeah, that I have issues with, but I, I I don't I don't have any issues either way. I could have gone another way with it, to be honest with you. Yeah, and that's fair. I think, like I said, I think the bottom of this, you're you got you guys are putting guys teams that are probably right there and on that same line. 
I, I think when you've got a quarterback, it's maybe, you know, that's where it becomes that kind of coin toss range. Like you said, I mean, if they're, if there's their true quote unquote best player was this, was this guard who got injured and he's gone. And now the offensive line might be a disaster. Well, you know, it doesn't really matter how much better he really is. Uh, but watching mm-hmm. him last year, he was a fun college quarterback. The guy who lowers his shoulder reminded me of, uh, was it Colin Klein at Kansas state a few years ago? Uh, oh, yeah. just lower his shoulder, just run a dude over and get a touchdown if he needed it. And it was just, you know, it was weird, but it made K state fun for a year. <laughs> uh, so that was cool. Uh, Virginia tech's the other one. And, and John, I think you, you originally left them off. So I, I know you probably just tossed them into, into coin toss max. You went with them. Definitely worse. I don't know. I think Virginia tech's kind of just that they're okay at football. Right. That's <laughs> kind of, I think that's kind of where we're at. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't, like you said, I don't think any of the teams are definitely a hundred percent Florida state's going to go to their stadium. Absolutely going to beat them if we played tomorrow. Um, but I think, I think I'm in pretty general agreement with that list of uh, Syracuse, Georgia tech, Duke, definitely Boston college, probably worse Virginia tech, probably coin tossy to slightly worse. So then the coin toss range becomes interesting too. The only team that, that is, is different. I'll get to it. The ones you guys are in agreement, Louisville, North Carolina, and Virginia. I want to start with Louisville because to me, I did the podcast and, I, and if you listen to it, you know, great. If you haven't, I'd recommend going back and listening to it because nothing's changed. It's been two months and it's about the same. I did it with my friend Tyler who worked in the athletic department for Louisville for two years. Um, and boy, if me and him didn't just end up saying this is the Spider-Man meme over and over again, I mean, it, we even have a Louisville quarterback. Like it's the same team. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, and I, I think that's a perfect example when you look at, at their roster, that's kind of who Louisville's been for the last few years. I mean, you know, I mean, I can't remember. It's uh, Malik Cunningham and, and a bunch of guys. And that, I think that's how, if you weren't a Florida state fan, you'd probably list Florida state as Jordan Travis and a bunch of guys. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I think Malik Cunningham is very dynamic. He's fun. Consistency has been his issue. Uh, but I don't know, Satterfield, it's Satterfield, right? As their coach, they had yeah. a really good, they had a one good year and then they've been kind of eh since then. And I, I heard right. some rumblings last year that, that he might get fired. He flirted um, with going to South Carolina, which kind of pissed some people off up there. Oh, yeah. uh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm just not, I think that maybe Satterfield's time, I think they're just kind of, I don't know, the excitement's gone from that program, right? And it's kind of just winding down. Well, then I think, and Max, I know you're, you're our, our resident kid in the trenches on recruiting here. So I think Louisville's been doing really well on, on the recruiting lately. So I don't know if that helps in the momentum aspect, but I mean, when it comes down to it, this is a team that FSU, again, we talked about it. It's a coin toss. And if you really want to get to this game, it's a Friday night in Louisville. So, I mean, you'll be coming off a bye. So I think that is a perfect fit for a coin toss. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just like you said, it's going to be quarterback against quarterback, what each can do on the floor, what each can do. Not not what each can do on the floor, actually, because we know that they're both going to do something on the floor. They're both going to maybe put 50-plus yards on the floor. So whoever can <laughs> whoever can toss up the ball like they're actually a quarterback will win Yeah, this. right. And I know Louisville has had trouble last year or the seasons before with their secondary. Yeah. They went and they got players in the transfer portal. They, they did things in their secondary and they got players for their defensive line. I know their defense was an issue before, but that'll be another question. I would have us beating them, but I know we have a, a tough schedule. Not us, but I have Florida State beating them, but there's a tough schedule in between there. 
Yeah. For, and that, like I said, that's the, I did the preview. I wrote the preview up for that one as well. And that was, a. Uh, it's like I said, a Friday night, it's uh, for Florida state. The schedule is the Duquesne, the LSU game on that Sunday night by the following week, which I presume would be the Duquesne game. And then that following Friday night, you're at Louisville. So, you know, it's, you get a chance to prepare, but it's also that awkward Friday night road game. And I think as I wrote it, like best case scenario is FSU goes in and they have the answer for Malik Cunningham and they beat them by 50. And, and the it, realistic you, scenario is it's a boat. Both teams score back and forth forever. And the worst case scenario is they have the answer for Jordan Travis and they beat you by 50. Yeah. I think you're, you're also going to get two FSUs. You're going to get one that either comes off of the LSU game with a loss. It's going to have a chip on their shoulder off the bye week. That's going to really want that win. Or you're going to have an FSU with overconfidence that just you <laughs> that is going to want to keep going and keep the streak alive. So we'll see what that goes. Yeah, I, I think I think if you look at Louisville and the way they compare, that's that the, the Spider-Man meme is perfect. Just the two identical. It's looking in a mirror. It's the same roster. It's a quarterback who can absolutely beat you all game long with his legs. If you don't have an answer and a roster, you hope you hope has figured out the problems and is ready to rock uh, elsewhere. North Carolina, I think, is an interesting one. Um, I see where you guys are with them being a similar team to FSU. Uh, but, you know, they've got a lot of, of changes to, to make there in, in replacing a lot of the, well, I mean, I guess not really a lot, but, you know, replacing the quarterback isn't exactly easy with Sam Howell, right? Uh, it's not exactly an easy thing to do in, in college football. So, I mean, Max, similar, you know, you just kind of just taking them as a program, you think kind of can hold on with Mac Brown leading? Well, the problem with North Carolina that I saw, which just like you said, they've lost people. They lost Sam Howell, they lost yeah. their running back, and they lost four starters on their offensive line. That's so, a lot. Yeah, yeah. We, first they beat them last season. It's going to be a toss up again because they have a good coach. They're going to have a good offensive system again. But to come back and just it depends when that game is scheduled. If it's mid season, if it's late season, to come back and just be have that offense ready. I don't know if they'll do it that quickly. Yeah, the one thing I would say positive for North Carolina and, and you know John, I, I don't know if you've got a ton of takes on North Carolina. Was I wa- watching football last year? I distinctly remember maybe. October. I'm watching North Carolina. I forget. Maybe it was Wake Forest. It was a big shootout game. And uh, I think their receiver is Josh Downs. And he went off. And I was sitting there as, as the Saints fan in me went, man, I hope Josh Downs is there when we pick in the first round because that kid's a stud. Between him and Alave, I think they're the two best receivers I've seen play all season. And um, I looked it up and, and he, was a, he was a freshman. Uh, so, you know, I was like, holy, okay. So that's great. But the kid would end up like with 12, 13 receptions and 180 yards like every game. It was unbelievable. So, I mean, they have him, but who's now without Sam Howell, who's throwing him the ball? Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, I think they have other pieces in that receiving core, but it's going to be that relationship that they built with whatever quarterback is going to be there. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that, too. I, I think the story of the ACC this year will be regression for most teams. I think that yeah. creates a window of opportunity for Florida State. But definitely North Carolina, based on everything you guys have talked about, is definitely one of those candidates for regression. Howell was great as a freshman, but never really kind of developed the way you, he would have, have hoped that he did. I do think Mac Brown is a good coach. I think he's recruited at uh, North Carolina decently well. Uh, I think it gives him a floor, but I, I think it's clear that the ceiling that he wants to win the ACC is just – not there, but I think that they could be competitive with Florida state. So that's why I put them in coin toss. Yeah. And I, I agree with that. I think, I think it's a roster, you know, I mean, Mac Brown at this point is obviously, you know, he's not, he's not Mac Brown of old at Texas, but 
I think he knows how to build a competent roster that isn't going to just fall off of a cliff. So I think that's where you end up still in that similar to FSU range. I want to save the one you guys agreed with in this range, Virginia, because I love them. So we'll get to them in a second. But I want to go first to uh, the guy, the team you guys disagreed with, because, John, I think you kind of hit on it, uh, regression. And the team you guys disagreed on is Pitt. John, you put them in the coin toss category. Max, you had them better than FSU. John, I assume you've got them lower because of Kenny Pickett. Yeah, they lost Pickett and Addison. Um, yeah, Addison and then, with the USC, is that correct? Yeah, and then the other for Lincoln Riley. I mean, I can't, I can't blame them. But <laughs> also, um, and you know, I think the deciding factor for me to drop them into to- uh, coin toss was Pat Narduzzi's comments at the ACC media days. That guy, I don't know what his problem is. But he he had some just salty comments that didn't make any sense to me. He was pissed at his former offense coordinator. I was it Whipple or whatever his name was. Yeah, he was. Yeah, well, he, he right? torched him. Yeah, yeah. About like, oh, we didn't run the ball enough. And blah, blah blah. You had a Heisman contender at QB, right? And the best receiver in college football. You're setting all these passing records and all this all this other stuff throwing the ball. You put a he complained about the game of Wake Forest and that they didn't run the ball enough. You put up like 45 points against Wake. It was just it, – it seemed like some comments that – and they weren't just salty, but the guy seemed uh, – I, I don't know. If they wouldn't have that kind of attitude, I think, as a head coach. I, again, I think the head coach always sets the tone, and that kind of tone infects the rest of the team eventually, kind of filters down, right, because – and that's how it works. Yeah. And his comments, like, man. So I think I think Pitt's due for a serious regression. Um, again, their defense was pretty weak last year in in certain areas. Um, so without Pickett, without Addison, and again, I, I just I think they're going to be competitive, but I don't I don't see they're not winning anywhere close to ten games this year. Yeah, I'm trying to find the quote here. Okay, so this is from the uh, Pittsburgh Post Gazette. Uh, so thank you to them for helping me find this on the uh, Google search. Uh, quote, I had an officer coordinator. I won't even mention his name at Pitt. He spent eight, one, eight months with me, left to go take one of those big jobs. And I said, I don't think you want to go. Okay. He torched him. And then he started talking about how they won't, he wouldn't run the ball, right? That was his whole rant was how even when um, they, they had easy boxes, he wouldn't run the ball. Oh, here it is. Our old offensive coordinator had no desire to run the ball. Everybody knew it. He was stubborn. Wake Forest was 118th in run defense, and we threw the ball every damn down. And when we ran it, we ran it for 10 yards, but somehow that still wasn't good enough, and we just kept throwing the ball. That's weird. You put That's weird. It is weird. It's beyond weird. It's I, I it does it's nonsensical to me. I can't explain it. It, it reminded me of of uh, and he's uh, you know of less Miles' time at LSU because. It, even when they would have Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham as receivers who are still out here being, you know, elite wide receivers in the NFL, uh, more than a decade later, it was run the ball at the middle a hundred times a game. And if someone came in and suggested they should throw it more, it was like, no, that's stupid. And it's like, he's, it sounded like Narduzzi was mad that they had a great quarterback and oh, awesome receiver who were phenomenal and pushed them to the top of the conference. It was like, he, it was like, he was, jaded by his own success it, w- it was really bizarre and I, I like that point a lot 
Well, I mean, look, maybe I'm cynical, but I, I feel like I've watched a lot of college football <laughs> in my life. And uh, I just coaches that tend to make statements like, yeah, do not change. And they tend to continue to make the, the bad decisions. You have incredible talent and your opinion is that, oh, we should still just run the ball and ignore the talent that you have when talent is 80% of all the winning in college football. It's just, I already know where that's going to go. You know what I'm saying? It might take yeah. three years. It could take eight years. I don't know, but we all know where it's going to end up. And so I don't, I, I don't think again, barring them getting lucky into another type of talent like Pickett, uh, it's, they're not going to come close to 10 wins ever again. Uh, so I can kind of see Florida State and Pitt just passing each other in the next couple of years. Anything, Max, on why you put Pitt as as better? Was it just you're not expecting too much of a fall off? Maybe Pickett. It's. I mean, I'm not expecting too much of a fall off from the defense. They return a lot of people. They had one. I mean, I'm not going to say the best, but they have one of the best safety duels in the ACC. I yep. won't say the best. Like I said again, they have returning defensive tackles. They have a decent played next to Jordan Addison last year. They have a decent wide receiver that came back, and they traded him for Slovis from USC, who. I can't say I have watched what's Phil on him, but he can't be too bad, and I think he'll he'll do something there. No, I think Slovis is pretty good. I'm a, I'm a I'm a in case anyone hasn't figured it out. I played a lot of uh, college football DFS last season, and no, I think Slovis is a great receiver. I that that just ends up forcing me to watch a lot of games. It's why I know Josh Downs and and uh, Addison and all those types of guys. And it's uh, actually that's a perfect jump because I'll just go ahead and take this vine while I've got it. You guys both had Virginia in your coin toss category, right? Let me check it. Yep, you both did. I absolutely loved Virginia a year ago. Um, they were just a fun offense to watch. They were a fun off- offense to target in DFS, which was great for me and, and making dollars and things. But, um, you know, they had Brennan Armstrong at quarterback, uh, the receivers, Wicks, Thompson. Uh, I should probably look it up. Kemp. Yeah, Kemp, Billy Kemp the fourth. Thank you to Google for that one. Um, and they're supposed to get a, another receiver back from the guy who broke out in 2020. The only thing that makes me, I guess, hesitant on, I think, Virginia take be, being similar to what I felt like Pitt was last year is, one, Armstrong was hurt last year, and he's a, he's a frequent runner guy. So is does he have the bangs and bruises again that would then cost him time? But then the coaching change. I mean, you know, how much of what they were doing was – you know, Bronco Mendenhall being a coach that let them do that? Or was he really just holding them back? And now that they've changed coaches and I, they went with, uh, help me out, Elliot from uh, yep. from Clemson, Clemson, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe he makes them even better. And if they're just a fun offense and they end up being what Pitt was last year or North Carolina has been with Sam Howell, you know, I, I, I think that's, I still wouldn't probably put them in the definitely better than FSU category, but I would put right. them on maybe the, the higher end of coin toss. Can I, I think that, can I ask go you? Go ahead, Max. Yeah. You said, you said you watched a lot of, I don't know if you watched a lot of Virginia, but you said they were exciting last year. Yeah. What makes, I, I just, I'm actually curious. What makes Brandon Armstrong so appealing? Like everyone's so high on him. <laughs> I, I, so that's a great question. Honestly, I really can't even tell you. He can run. He throws like good. And I, I, so like when I watch him play, and I don't want to do this because the name, I, how, this is, this is, this, here's how I'll say it. And please just follow with me. To me, watching him makes me think Johnny Manziel, but instead of Mike Evans, he has average receiver. And like, 
Because, like, I think if Johnny Menzel doesn't have Mike Evans, he sucks. Because, like, if you go and look at that game against Alabama that won him the Heisman, he just ran all over the place, threw an absolute rainbow in the middle of the field, and it just happened that his receiver was the biggest, baddest dude on the field. (laughs) And that dude is out here clowning NFL-caliber corners every week. So, to me, it's like he's going to probably do something stupid a lot. (laughs) <laughs> but it's fun. Like if I'm going to be, if I'm a fan of Virginia, I'm like, you know what? At least we're fun. Like if I've got to watch my basketball team win games 43 to 40 and I go to the football team and they're probably going to win games 43 to 40, at least we're fun. And that's, and, 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 you know, like when Drew Brees retired, my one wish for the saints was like, okay, I'm fine. If we don't win anything, just be fun. And so I think like, that's where I end up when I watch Virginia versus when I watch what Florida state ended up being for a few times, especially early last season, where it was like, are we Milton? Are we Tom? Are we Travis? And then it was, even when you put back Travis in, then it was kind of like, no one could make a catch. It just feels like for some reason, Virginia on like third and 17, I'm pretty confident someone's getting 19 yards. I don't know who it's going to be, but that, <laughs> that was just how I felt watching Virginia every time last season. I don't know if they really even won a lot of games, if they even scored a lot of points, but I just sure felt like on third and 17, there was the guy wide open. Here comes John to tell me they only scored like seven points a game. <laughs> no, no, no. I, they averaged I, like I 106 wasn't. yards. I am looking at the standings. Hold on. Yeah, oh, I yeah. should probably pull up the, the CFB stats on the team because that would probably help out a lot. What you had, Max? You want to grill me? It's fine. No, no. <laughs> but yeah, they finished uh, They finished six and six. And and like you said, I mean, I thought Bronco was a pretty solid head coach. Yeah. Uh, but And people said Tony Elliott was the – a lot of the big reason for Clemson's success over, over the last, uh, you know, half decade, decade, but um, we'll find out. We'll find out. But I mean, they were good. They were fun. I'm not going to lie. I agree with you. They're exciting. Whatever they're going to be this year though. I have no idea. Yeah. So they averaged 35 points a game. They gave oh. up 33. That's fun. Yeah. It's yeah fun. That, is, and, that is fun. He, and, and his compl- so Brennan Armstrong completion percentage, 65%, uh, nine yards per completion, 31 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 156 QB rating, uh, average 404 yards per game. So, all right, great. Thank you, Brennan Armstrong, for according, not being as garbage as I was. Fan, according to Fan Nation here, and I don't, I don't know where they got this. I don't know if it was from ESPN or PFF or wherever it is. It says, Brennan Armstrong was one of those prolific passers, leading the Cavs to the number two passing attempt and number three offense in the nation. Yes. So, there you go. I was just pumping my face. From, but it looks like you're right. <laughs> I can pull it up. I got so Max and for anyone else listening, cfbstats.com is, is a wonderful resource. I go to it all the time. Number two passing offense in the country, averaging 392.6 yards per game. Uh, obviously, him by himself, he missed one game. So, in that one game, they were at 400 and something. So, yeah, second in the country. And then the scoring offense looks like they were, well, I got to search. Hold on. A little Google search, 21st, averaging 35 points a game. But yeah, I mean, I think if, if Tony Elliott makes them more fun, the only two ACC teams ahead of them are Pitt and Wake Forest from last season. So if somehow he could make them even slightly more efficient or a little less like chaotic, I mean, you know, I think that's, if you can find consistency at quarterback on slinging the ball like that with a guy who can still run a little bit, I, I think that's, again, Probably still coin toss with FSU concerning the rest of the roster, but you know, I, I I really like Virginia. My two cents. But thank you for Max for sending me down the rabbit hole that allowed me to find more information to even back up the argument I wasn't even prepared to make. Thank now, you. Now you love them even more. <laughs> I know. I, I was like, now I love them even more. I'm about to call a friend in another state. Let's 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 get you on a plane to Vegas, Brian. Let's put down some <laughs> Brennan Brennan Armstrong Heisman money. <laughs> 
Okay, so that covers our coin toss category. And I, and I think we probably want to spend more time on this better than FSU section. Uh, you guys are lockstep on four teams for definitely better than FSU. Um, and your order is almost identical. So I think I, I, I'm not sure on how you get much time you guys really put into the four through one on this one. You probably didn't, but I assume it was you guys put the first team that came to mind first, and that's probably how it went. Uh, fourth on the list is the same for both of you, and it's Wake Forest. And I wrote the preview for Wake also, and I think Wake looks almost like the same team as last year. And so I totally am in agreement on thinking that they are on paper at this point in time should be better than FSU. Yeah, I mean, Wake has this history of redshirting everybody on their entire team. Yeah. And so they'll be okay, you're bad for a couple of years, and then we'll have an insane year where they, they play for the conference title or they win it you know, outright. Um, and then they drop down a lot the following year. I thinking they're going to follow some of the same pattern. I think they benefited more than almost any other team in the country from that COVID year with the extra year of eligibility. Uh, I thought, I thought they took a huge, huge advantage of that. Yeah. But with that said, again, the story of the conference of is regression. I think Wake is one of the biggest candidates for that. I still think they're going to be very good. So uh, I don't know if they're going to win nine or 10 games, something like that. Uh, but they were my, Again, I think they're going to drop down, but they're kind of sort of in that same area. Like we talked about Boston College, Virginia Tech has between worse than and coin toss. I think Wake's going to be just a little bit solidly better, but they're not going to be a conference contender again, I don't think. Yeah, and I think that's fair. Like I, like I said, I wrote the preview on them, and it's it's like you said, it's a veteran, a very veteran team. And Max, I'm sure it's a lot of that same type of stuff for you, man. I think what's the issue with Wake Forest right now is that the spotlight's on them. Yeah. They have the, the lights on them. They have the media attention, the fanfare. So it's what they can do. It's what Sam Hartman can do again. He has his receivers coming back, his receivers who led him to some great games last year. So I think the offense will be close to the same, Not maybe not electric like last season, but close to the same. But their defense, they have a brand-new defensive coordinator, So and I don't think it was very good last season. So that's one of the issues that they'll have. And I don't know if they can replicate what they did. Well, I guess the one thing, and John, I'll go to you on the X's and O's of this one, because I, I make sure that I'm right on this one, but the, the two names that always stand out to me, or I don't say always, because I mean, it's college football. They don't last forever, but yeah, you know, Sam Hartman and, and AT Perry, right. And the two guys, uh, Perry, the receiver, Hartman, the quarterback. It's, it's to me what, and I, again, Downs is only a Richard freshman or whatever, but like, you know, when you've got that combo, it, it reminds me of, maybe not what Pickett is and what Addison is, but in that realm that allows you to be capable. And I, and John, again, I, I want to go to you on this one. They run the, the their scheme is uh, is a little, it's like crafty. Is that right? It's the mesh scheme. Is that what they're going with a lot over there? Yeah, it's uh, it should be illegal. Um, I think it's a crime <laughs> in every state except North Carolina. I'm just kidding. No, uh, yeah, Hartman is really good. I'm not going to lie. He's he's good. He's just super annoying that Wake Forest continues to get these guys. I swear he's just Riley Skinner uh, <laughs> in his 10th year. Riley Skinner was the guy, I forgot his name, that was before him. It's just the same guy who just, he's a vampire and he just plays for 40 years. <laughs> I, I don't. I can't explain it. But no, Wake, Wake, Wake Forest is going to be good. They ride that mesh for ever um and you're like okay well the simple thing is just blow it up just send three guys in the backfield just blow it up and if you can get there it works but somehow so frustratingly most teams just can't get there yeah. so they ride the mesh for three four seconds 
until finally, oh, and then the, they see what the defense does, and then they take off. They hand it off in the way, and one of them goes. Um, it's super annoying, especially because it's so effective. Yeah. Uh, I hate it. Uh, and again, I'm a big believer. Like, look, people, you know, they, the, the game's evolution. It's all, it's beautiful for what it is. I appreciate it. I do not appreciate this. It's terrible. It sucks. And, <laughs> uh, they shouldn't be allowed to do it. Um, no, but, but seriously, I, I think Wake's going to be really good. I, it's going to be a really tough out. If Florida State beats them somehow, it'll be like Florida State beating North Carolina, right? The team was much better. They had some fluky turnovers, uh, you know, picking off uh, Howell and the fumbles and things like that. It'll be like that. So I, I don't expect Florida State to win that game. Yeah, and I, and I think it's – and I think that's fair. I mean, you look – I think a lot of the list ends up falling in – I guess I'll describe it as your confidence in the other team's quarterback versus versus FSU's, right? I mean, as much as, as we talk about Jordan Travis and, and the dynamic he brings with his legs, there's the, the question mark of how – how progressive he's or how he's progressed with his arm and his pass catchers still remain as a question mark. When I can look at wake and say, if they need a first down, it's Hartman to Perry, boom, first down, move the chains. And if it's FSU, it's man, I hope Jordan Travis can make enough guys miss. So (laughs) I guess, I guess that's, that's where you end up on a lot of these teams. And I think a great example of that. And honestly, I don't even know if we have pass catcher for this one, but you guys are both same thing. This one, you guys went two and three. So slightly different, but you know, it's Miami. Miami, another team that we've listed is better. And I have to think, and Max, I'll go to you, this, this one to you first here. At TVD, has got to be a big reason why. Yeah, and I talked to, I did one of the podcasts for the UM preview. I talked to him and he said that Tyler Van Dyke has already had a great spring ball. He's, he was super consistent throughout the spring and he's had, he's talked with Manny. I mean, I'm sorry, not Manny, <laughs> talked with Mario throughout the off season and he's made sure that he's going to be the lock there and, and make sure that he has to produce. So I think he's going to take a big step. When I was talking to him, I said, is you this his name? Really a top to His name is Adam Lichtenstein, Lichtenstein, something like that. When I talked to him, I said, is he really a top five, top 10 quarterback? He said, I have him at top 10 right now. He said, if he keeps going and producing, I have him as a top three quarterback, which I think is a little much, but I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up a top, maybe seven quarterback in the nation. Yeah, and I, 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 so I, and, and I remember this from last year and, and coming in and everything. De'Ara King was the, the quarterback down there in Miami. And I, help me with this one in case I get it wrong, but I, I remember him being the crown jewel of the transfer portal. Was it last year or the year before where it was like this guy's like, I think he's older than two, right? And he, it was like the, the Miami's starting quarterback is older than the Dolphins quarterback. And, and it was like a whole thing. And, he was, you know, that guy and whether, you know, hopefully the guy who guides Manny Diaz saves the season, helps bring the U back. And he only gave you three games and lucky for, for the U or for Miami, it ends up being the freshman who was just unbelievable. I mean, the guy was, he, he threw for 293 yards a game, 25 touchdowns, six interceptions, a 160 passer rating. I just gushed over Brennan Armstrong and those numbers are all, well, except for the yards per game, those are all better. And he did it in 10 games as a true freshman. I mean, Obviously, I think Miami has a long way to go to being where they think they are or belong, but um, he's a great piece to start with. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with everything, Max, you guys have said. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke is uh, he's really good. Unfortunately, I think it is 
really bad luck for Florida State to have uh, Kyle Trask emerge from behind Felipe Franks at UF. And then right after that, uh, Van Dyke comes out behind Deer King in Miami. Uh, and they're both ended up being much better than than their predecessors. So it, it sucks for Florida State. Does that Miami's, mean Tate season? What's that? Does that mean it's Tate season? Or? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah. And you'd think at some point Florida State is going to have that kind of like fun. I mean, not Jameis, but the fun emergence at, at QB. Not nothing against Jordan Travis. I, he could have that breakout year, but man, it's it sucks to have both of your main rivals just these QBs that are really really good just show up out of nowhere and kind yeah. of torch you. It's it's uh, what are you going to do? But uh, Miami, I mean, they got that excitement. I know they're recruiting well. Everyone they have everyone those kids are just talking about them. They got that that it factor, which again, it's just you through word of mouth. It's not really through anything ever. It could be totally no substance behind it, but that's all it takes for these kids to start talking. Then everyone wants to play there. So uh, we'll see what, you know, now they finally uh, allegedly have uh, support for the football program. So we'll see what comes of that. Uh, but I do think that they're, they're going to be better than Florida state this year. Florida state's just not quite there. Um, we'll see what Miami really is. Again, you can't say that they're a contender, a real contender. Uh, I, I think they could play for the ACC title, but they're not playing for anywhere close to the national title. Right. And, and I think it's the same thing where there are holes. There are enough holes where I don't think this is a massive, uh, massively better. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people listening are sitting here screaming, you know, we just beat them. Didn't you watch it? Fourth down. And, and you know, I mean, I, I hear you. Right. I mean, and I, and I don't really disagree, but I mean, how much of that is a home game? How much of that is? And again, it's fourth down. If you don't get that, then you lose then even the home game. And, you know, I, I just don't know if I, again, I think it's another situation where I don't know if they're like head and shoulders. Absolutely. If FSU goes down to the rock this year, they're going to get run out the stadium. Um, but I think, I think if you gave me the choice, I'd rather have TVD. Well, that's, that's exactly. That's the difference to me is that I think this is a case of both teams improving this year from what they were last year. Right. But you have to give the edge to Miami because of Van Dyke. And again, that's not a slide against Jordan Travis. It's just Van Dyke was like Max had described. You guys have talked about a little bit ago. Uh, he was just a revelation for them at quarterback. The kid's really, really good. And that's that's the difference. And I'm trying to remember the the running back they had emerged too late in the year too. I, I let me pull up his name here. It'll take probably two clicks of the button. Uh, was it Jalen Knighton? Yeah, dude was explosive. He's yeah, so he's fast. Good. It's another freshman, former, former FSU commit. Yeah. yeah, well, that one hurts yeah. even more. There we go. Thank you, Max. <laughs> See, this is these well, are my blind spots. Why have you guys? Well, we took Devonte Freeman and Delvin Coates, so I think it's okay. <laughs> Those worked out just fine. Yeah, I, I think I think at the end of the day you're happy with those those trades. Uh, but yeah, I mean, dude's explosive, and, and you know he was. It felt like uh, obviously, like I said, uh, Van Dyke could hit the long passes and make those drop beautifully right into a guy's hand if he needed them. And if he had to just get out of his hand, uh, it seemed like Knighton always made the play that turned a, a three yard little dump off into a 73 yard touchdown. And, and you know those are the type of things that I don't I don't know if FSU has that person yet either. So. Again, I don't know if it's that different, but like John said, I think at the end of the day, you, you, there's a couple of things there that maybe sway your opinion. Uh, the next one I think on our list, and you guys, again, back and forth, some, one, one of you had a two, one of you had a three, is NC State. Um, and I've seen them some places favored uh, to win the conference. So so why exactly? And John, I'll go to you this in first thing I went back to Max last time. John, why, why NC State? 
what makes them what makes them the favorite? Um, well, first of all, does Florida State play in Raleigh this year? I can't remember. I'll pull it up. Yeah, they, if they do, and Max is not a yes, uh, then I mean it's probably going to be a loss because that's how it seems to go. No, but for real, North North they Carolina do. State last year, yeah, okay, so that sucks. Uh, North Carolina <laughs> State last year um, had one of, if not the best defensive line in the entire country. Those guys were monsters, absolutely ferocious. They lost a lot of talent. So again, regression. But I think they're still solidly better than Florida State. Uh, I just had to look up because I forgot. I think NC State won the tiebreaker against Clemson. I think they finished second in the ACC Atlantic standings behind Wake. So, uh, again, Wake, NC State is not um, – a lot of people overlook them. You know, Florida State's uh, traditionally supposed to just be better than them. But NC State's been very difficult out for Florida State over the last decade plus. And uh, so I just – again, whatever regression they may have, I do not think Florida State has made up the difference this year. Well, Nate, that's another situation where you get the uh, the return of the quarterback, right? That seems to be it. Larry was was fine, yep. um, I, beyond I, I guess beyond fine, right? I think it was uh, again. It's another situation. Give me yeah, three he's, seconds here. I think he was solid. great last year. If I pull up the numbers, I think he's. I think it's a situation where he's better than we actually remembered he was. Um, one second. I'm sorry. I have to do everyone watching no. Google here. Yeah. So 12 games last year as a sophomore, 65.7% completion percentage, uh, 35 touchdowns, 35 touchdowns, five interceptions, 287 yards a game. Um, There's a lot of good quarterbacks in this conference. Yeah. Yeah. Which hurts. And that's like, again, it ends up back in that same realm. Uh, and especially, and I think Max, you were very quick to nod on the they're playing Raleigh this year. I assume that played a pretty decent part in your decision too. Well, I just think like they lost their best offensive lineman. They lost people on the edge, but they're bringing just like you said before. And I don't want to keep being repetitive, but we're gonna rank these based on who has the best quarterback or who has not not Clemson, but who has the best quarterback after that. And they just keep going up and up. And it seems like there's a bunch of good quarterbacks. They also have a great linebacker group. And I think there's a team that doesn't play, doesn't, I mean, maybe you guys don't agree with me, but they don't try to play, they want to win the game. They're not trying to play a fancy game. They, whatever they need to do to win that game, it doesn't matter if it's home or away. They want to win the game and put the win in their column. Yeah. And it's a perfect example of, and I think we talked about it a few weeks ago of like, uh, they remind me of, of, the team that's like you said, is just going to fight it out. And we talked conferences a few weeks ago of that, like they're good. You know, they might be trans, you know, maybe in that mythical world where Vandy and them switch out, which again, it seemed like a pipe dream. That was a John Skipper idea, but it was just floated out there to make both conferences more money. But they did when, when we talked about it, I was like, man, that identity of NC state reminds me a lot of those sec teams where outside of Vanderbilt, you just, you just don't know if you're going to beat them because it just, everyone is willing to just beat you over the head if they beat you by a point. And that is a lot what NC state is. It feels that way. I remember last year, their defense was, was great. Like you mentioned the linebackers and things, and I know they lost a lot of talent, but I distinctly remember last year, I forget the linebackers name, but I, I remember watching the game when he tore his, that he tore his ACL. I remember it was a knee injury, but like at that point in the game, they were leading and it just felt like they had nothing. And maybe the rest of the year, they were just, just a notch worse. Um, you know, and I, and I think obviously if you're a defense like that and you lose a leader, it, it ends up being a problem. I think he came back again. I can't, I didn't, uh, the name, the name's escaping me. I forget what it is. I just, maybe, and maybe it was him or, uh, no, let me see. I, I, I'm sure he's probably one of their leading tacklers. 
I'm pretty quick to get the list here. Um, yeah, like I said, it was an ACL. Oh, more, more. Looks like he's back. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I, it, they, yeah, he had toured an ACL, so that's gotta be the guy. But yeah, I like distinctly remember watching the game, and, and I forget what game it was. It was raining, I want to believe, and I might have been Virginia because I'm a degenerate. Um, but yeah, I distinctly remember this defense just being that type of ferocious sideline to sideline, chase you down. I think they run the, um, you know, they're they're very aggressive getting to the sidelines and and try to, which is great for you know that that type of spread you out and, and whatnot in this in this era of football, but especially in, in the ACC, when you have these types of quarterbacks and everything, it feels like that type of, of fight that they have is what helps keep them up. And again, we're talking about probable regression, but I don't know if this conference has a clear best team. Although you guys were in lockstep on the first team, you guys immediately said we're better than FSU and I'll just go ahead and go to them now. So I can quit uh, tinkering around trying to figure out one guy's name and surprise, surprise it's Clemson. Uh, led by Dabo, who who killed the uh, the gritty a few weeks ago, uh, and I don't mean like he did a great job. Like your your children will say he killed it. He he ended its life. Rip. That's the end of the of the gritty. Dabo ruined it. But um, he he was forced to ACC media day kickoff day go to bat for DJ. Uh, I guess maybe this is the roster where where it's almost the opposite of what we've been saying. Where you you absolutely know the quarterback for this team is definitely better. And I, I think, I think at the end of the day, I don't know if DJ is head and shoulders better. If he's really a coin toss, I know the expectation was for him to be a lot better, but it's, I think it's the rest of the roster. I'm a lot more confident in at Clemson though. The, I know the rumor was the, you know, the transfer portal and Dabo's unwillingness to use it as the roster falling apart. I still have the confidence that Clemson is, at this point, still Clemson. And, and John, I think you have to wait to see them fall apart before you get there, right? Well, we talked a lot. Of, uh, yes, uh, you give them the benefit of the doubt because that's what happens when you're a multi or perennial national title contender. But we talked a lot last year on this pod about the holes in Clemson's armor just starting to appear a little bit more and more and more. Yeah. And I think they've gone through a tremendous amount of transition in the last uh, season or two, right? You lose Trevor Lawrence. Now you've lost Tony Elliott. You lost Brett Venables, right? Who stayed there. We all thought he was going to be there forever, but he couldn't turn down, you know, the Oklahoma job. Uh, It must've been a dream job for him. So I, I, again, regression, I expect Clemson to get worse. They had a easily elite national title level defense last year that was wasted by an offense that had no talent at receiver, a quarterback who couldn't read the field, an average or middling, even below, maybe perhaps below average offensive line, uh, but they still had some t- some talent at running back. Um, I, I get, will, will DJ improve? We don't know. He may, he may not. He may be the kind of like their version of EJ, although I think EJ was better than, than, than uh, what DJ has shown so far in his career. But he could be their version of that kind of thing, right? Where he's got all the tools and everything that you want to see. Um, but as as far as reading the field, sometimes it's just not there. I think he talked in media days about losing something like thirty pounds. They bulked him up for all this, all of the hits that he thought he was going to take. Now I think they're going to run him a lot more this season. That that should hopefully help him. But I could tell back when he was, you know, subbing in for Lawrence. That I think I wrote an article about. It. I did a preview for Clemson on Top of Nation last yeah, year. He did. Um, and a lot of people are like, oh, wow, so you think Clemson's not going to win a game. Um, but I'd be right. I mean, that season before, they had protected DJ 
in how they ran and, and called that offense. Lots of super easy throws and things like that. And their offense for the most part last year was the exact same. Uh, but again, you lose some of that talent at receiver and you start to get a little anemic. I do think toward the end of the season, especially in that last quarter of the season, uh, uh, Uwe did get better uh, and he did improve. So we'll see what he is coming in this year. But so far, man, I mean, they won 10 games last year. I'll assume I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. They will win 10 games again this year, but if they won eight or nine, it would not shock me at all. Again, you're losing all that talent on defense. You're not going to be able to, you, you lose Venables who's one of, or if not the best defensive coordinator uh, after Nick Saban in college football. So again, I think Clemson will continue their slide back to earth. I don't think they're going to be, I think their days of being a perennial national title contender are easily over. They will still compete for the ACC title, but how far they fall and how quickly we'll find out. Yeah. And, and, and Max, before I come to you, I do want to, cause I assume you didn't listen to the pod last year because I'm just going to assume it. And, and I'm sure some of our listeners probably didn't last year, but uh, if you didn't, John spent about the entire off the whole season <laughs> dancing on, on his, I told you that DJ wasn't the second coming of Christ. I told you, I told you, I told you. Uh, it was, it was a fun experience when every week Clemson would be that just either narrowly escape or take a bad loss. And he was like, see guys, I, I told you, I wrote that article, but Clemson was all in my mentions telling me, no, DJ is going to win the Heisman. You just a yeah. hater. You're an effort. And he's like, no, I, and, and honestly, the, the way you were describing the way they used him and, it reminds me a lot, and if you're an NFL, if an NFL guy, it makes me think immediately of, of the way I felt like the 49ers have used Trey Lance last season, where it was like you just couldn't quite trust him with everything, and you tried right. to put training wheels on him when you could, and it didn't really work. And um, you know, again, it's an NFL thing, so who knows what he looks like this year? But it's it felt that same way, where like it was kind of like they were just using him when they could to just try to get his feet wet, and even that didn't seem to work. And then when they had to take the training wheels off last year. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I, it, it does feel exactly like riding a bike for the first time where sometimes it's rolling and you're going, but you don't quite know how to stop. And that is half of riding a bike is stop it when you get there. And boy, was that a problem? And, and Max, you know, I, I come to you now and, and same thing, man. I mean, where, where do you see this, this Clemson roster compared to what, what FSU has? Like we talked about, I feel like they're sliding back, but I don't think they're slid back all the way yet. Well, we talked about, and a lot of people have talked about their success in the transfer portal. And they talked about that. I think it was in May. And then in June, they come out and they get, I don't know if it's 13 or 14 commits from the 2023 and 2024 classes, which <laughs> one of them is one of the best defensive linemen in the class that was going against Alabama. So yeah, they're coming back, but we're, we're not too close. And some other teams are not too close <laughs> just yet. So they have that defense next year that's going to be incredible, just like John said, that's going to be one of the best in the nation. But I think one of the biggest issues is that even though Dabo says and even though other people are going to say DJ is going to be the starter and DJ is going to, is going to do whatever he can, which is lose 30 pounds or gain whatever he needs to do, Clay Kupnick, who was a former five-star recruit, he's in the bullpen. He's, he's waiting. He is warming up. And I think it's going to, it's not going to be, they're not going to wait till week seven. They're not going to wait till later in the season. If DJ doesn't produce in the first four or five games, I think Cade comes in. So I think that's one of the, the biggest issues for them is, is having that kind of, they're confused in what they should do next. Yeah. And you just hope it doesn't land like Miami's did, right? You, you hope yeah. that the guy sitting there isn't the next, the next Trevor Lawrence <laughs> or, or, um, 
you know, Deshaun Watson or whatever. And, and uh, actually it's a perfect chance for me to just tell us a fun story. So uh, Max, I think I told you going to Vegas first time I got there immediately and immediately placed the sports bat like within seconds. <laughs> uh, the year was, I guess it was 2019. It was like August. And so what I was trying to think was I want to play some college football bets, but I want to do futures because I've never really, and I, I want to make it worth my while where I can cash my ticket, right? I, where I, I'm not going to win. Like if I bet on Tua and I fly back and I win like 80 bucks, like tw- four to one or whatever. So I decided to place two bets, two ACC quarterbacks, Clemson and Miami, Cozy Perry and Kelly Bryant. That was a waste of money. I think before September was over, I was like, well, these are worthless. I just tore them up, tossed them in the trash. I was like, that went, there went, there went 200 bucks. That was fun. Uh, so yeah, I mean, they, they're just a, a fun aside, but yeah, I mean, Clemson is Clemson at this point. Uh, I still think they're better again, just to run through the list, the worst quote unquote worst than FSU, but as John caveated, maybe not a guaranteed loss, Syracuse, Georgia tech, Duke. We went with coin tosses for everyone from Boston college, Virginia tech North Carolina, Virginia, Louisville, and Pitt. Uh, definitely better all in agreement with wake NC state, Miami and Clemson though. Brian wants to pull Virginia up there because he loves them. Uh, well, so I, one thing I want to point out, too, is we had talked about, I remember before last season, that we thought Florida State could be, again, it was the lose a little, right? We thought that they could be at least competitive with almost everybody except for Clemson. But what happened last year? Florida State was competitive with Clemson, right? They almost won that game, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Until it kind they of got away with should have. Yeah. Right. Until it got away with them at the end. So uh, I think, again, we could do worse than FSU coin toss better. I think Florida state is capable of being competitive with and beating pretty much every team on their schedule. Every, any team in the, in the conference, uh, I think Clemson's vulnerable. Yeah. Well, that has to be an automatic <laughs> loss right now, but there, there's a couple I don't feel great about like wake always plays Florida state tough. And it seems to be tough. NC state, like you said, um, who knows anything can happen. A rivalry game with Miami, but every, I mean, every game is winnable. Every game can be competitive. So that's what I'm looking for at Florida State. Uh, and again, I think a bowl game is obviously the the goal. Yeah, and I think it's like we talked about at the beginning, where our expectations for this team, and it's it's you look at it, the defense is strong and or it should be strong, and you've got Jordan Travis, which again gives you a puncher's chance in every single game he's there for. Yep. I guess it's also what what they'll do on the road too, because I think one of their their toughest games are gonna be the one in NC State and the one at Hard Rock, even though no one's gonna be at Hard Rock, but that game. <laughs> Because the one at Clemson and Wake Forest, you have those games in the Doak. You have those games in Doak, and you have those teams who beat you last season and yeah. you want to get that win back. So I think those, even though they might be better teams, they're more winnable because that it's, I'm not going to say that NC State game is a lock, but that NC State game, is it just doesn't look good for FSU. Yeah. And the Miami game is a, is a coin toss. Yeah, and even though, like you said, even even though they're better, you still have a chance. And I and, – I know we're, I think we just crossed the hour mark, but John, I do want to give you a chance because we did talk about it last week. Uh, the commissioner, ACC commissioner was Jim Phillips, had his chance this week to talk conference realignment. And we kind of gave him the, here's the easiest way out. And here is the, what you probably should do. And I don't think he took either way. It seemed like it was a disaster of, we're going to sit pat and let it ride, right? It, it didn't really feel like he really brought it. Right, pretty much. I, I mean, I have bias, obviously, as a Florida State fan. I want Florida State the best uh, long-term, uh, I guess, to secure their future long-term would be to leave the conference as soon as possible. So what, from that perspective, uh, if I'm being honest, I, again, I, it was a little bit unfair to Jim Phillips. 
what is he supposed to say? Right. Yeah. I, I tweeted before that, right. You know, that morning before the conference, the press conference started that the ACC, in my opinion, is a dead conference walking. There's nothing. I mean, there's nothing. There's no solution there. You could talk about unequal revenue sharing, but all of the other programs aren't going to go for that. Right. You're, right. you're not going to give unequal shares to Clemson, uh, Florida State and Miami and then have teams like North Carolina argue over that they should get an addition. It's just not going to happen. Right. Um, and because he knows he has the power that everyone's locked into the grant of rights through 2036, maybe you start to get to 2030, 2032, you get close enough within three, four, five years that you, someone will be able to sue by then to get out of it early. So you have another about eight years, right? At least before you even have to worry about it. So, you know, you held all the cards, but as a Florida State fan, like you said, Brian, it's just not what you wanted to hear. It was pretty much a disaster. He kind of took a little bit of shots at Florida State a couple of different times. Yeah. Um, talking about gated communities, all this other stuff. So it's just, to me, again, I think he was in a, an impossible no-win situation. Okay, what was he supposed to say? Oh, yeah, we'll just let Florida State leave. And Clemson and just, just nuke the whole conference and its value. But he knows he holds the key to the prison and he's not going to let it go because it's the only way that the conference survives. But at the same time, you're just delaying the inevitable. I think you make it more likely that the, that the ACC uh, collapses at some point. But then at the same time, I go back and forth on this. It's going to collapse anyway. I, I think, again, yeah. I think it's a dead conference walking. There's no way to save it. You could try to combine the ACC in a merger and the Big 12 and the Pac-12, right, to try to act as a counterweight to the ACC, the Big 10. But by definition, we're talking about the ACC not existing anymore, right? Because you're you're combining three into one giant conference. It there's, there's no solution. There's nothing. So he's just going to sit on it for eight years or 10 years. And then when it's gone, it's gone. So I don't think he had to take pot shots at Florida State like that. Uh, but um, I, at the same time, I would not expect anything different from a conference that has put the interests of smaller schools that have basketball at the forefront instead of football that brings in more money than anything else. And we can all kid ourselves about what this is really about, but it's really about money. And that's yeah. unfortunate, but it is what it is. Yeah. And uh, that's, I mean, that's where I sit with it. Yeah, and and I, I guess I, you know, you talked about the the pod shots, and they were kind of like he was alluding to, you know, schools trying to trying to join the the quote unquote gated communities, like you mentioned, the the Big Ten and the ACC, where you know you're only you got to come to the gate and see if they'll let you in. You know, he wants it to be open neighborhoods. We work as a big college football community, but that's just not where it is. And I think you, right. if you were a Florida State fan, you wanted to hear more progressive ideas, more progressive thoughts, more forward thinking, um, how to keep up with the change of college football and listening to it. It felt like, like you said, what could he do? And honestly, it's probably unfair to him because the answer was probably a year or two ago um, right. where he wasn't even the commissioner. But, you know, when you look at it, the opportunities to add good schools that could help uh, seems to has have shriveled up, you know, I mean, I think maybe the programs that made sense for you to add were something like UCF, Cincinnati, um, you know, stuff like that. Maybe a West Virginia, if you wanted to pull something like that, that helps add quality programs that add to your footprint. If you're bringing in Cincinnati and West Virginia and, you know, I don't think West Virginia is leaving the, the big 12, obviously Cincinnati and uh, UCF have already made their jumps to the big 12. It just seems like those, those 
progressive opportunities have closed. And it's right. like you said, it's, it's a dead conference walking. And I think if you could have hoped he's not going to come to the table and be like, well, we could save the day by joining forces with the big 12 because that's playing your hand on the table. But he didn't really allude. Nothing he said gave you the idea that he had an ace up his sleeve. He had a plan. There was something to save the conference. And if you're Florida state, it seems like you're just kind of stuck until you feel confident that you can buy your way out. Right. And I think overall, and again, a lot of this goes back to Swafford. And even when the ACC destroyed the, the big East a long time ago, back, what was it 2002 or three, when they, they absorbed Miami and Boston college and Virginia tech, some other programs, whatever they, um, I mean, the ACC was at, at the time the forefront. They were driving realignment in college football. And all of those seemed like, at the time, brilliant moves to secure the ACC's future as a, as a football power. You know, Miami had just come off the national title, right? Um, Virginia Tech was really good. Uh, even after they joined the ACC, Virginia Tech had won 10 games, I think at least 10 games, like eight straight seasons or something like that. They were really good for a long time. Um, but so I think the history or when we look back at the ACC, it'll be one of, yeah, yeah, every, every move at the time made sense, but maybe looking back, it wasn't ambitious enough. You know, maybe they should have tried to go after Texas or Oklahoma or something like that. Uh, so at the time you can't criticize those moves, but in the end it just ended up not being nearly enough. And at, like you said, at this point, I just don't see, there's no options left. There's no school that you can get that will save you from, uh, the, basically a super conference that is the SEC, the Big Ten. Yeah. Um, obviously, the SEC has more talent. They're, they're a better conference. They have more premier football programs. Uh, like I saw someone on Twitter point out the SEC has like all these titles and the Big Ten has one, right, with Ohio State, and that's it. So, But yet the Big Ten is still going to bring in $100 million a year per team, and that's what Florida State needs if they want to survive. Again, yeah, I just I think that's the story of the ACC. I think it's already been written, and we're all just going to wait out the clock. I think is what's going to happen. Yeah, it seemed like that was you. You kind of had the hope of how was this going to go, and, and he, I don't think you feel any any more confident in how that went. Um, you know, I, I felt like he didn't really give you the the confidence you were looking for. Right. No. And again, what could he? What could he say? But at the same time, if you're a football program and this is all about money from football TV contracts you wanted to hear something, have some kind of plan, even if it's all just hot air, say we're going to be ambitious and you know what I mean? And we're going to secure the future. And we didn't really, it just, there wasn't anything there. Since the teams are so locked in, if I can ask you guys, sure. as knowledgeable football fans, as fans of Florida state, what do you think? We talked about Notre Dame before, but what do you think is the next step then since we're all so locked into this? It's going to be Notre Dame. Uh, I think everyone is is sitting and waiting for Notre Dame to make their move. Um, and I think eventually Notre Dame will take the Big 12s, the Big 10s money and go. Um, that's my guess. It's either that or it, it, how it's going to end up going is Notre Dame is going to, and I forget when their deal with NBC comes up. Do you happen to know, John? I want to say 26. Yeah, I think it's 26. Um, but they're going to go and they're going to shop their rights uh, as an individual, as an independent, and see if they can get a number from, is it Amazon? Is it Apple? Is it? Google, is it, you know, one of these bajillion dollar streaming services that is just going to outbid what they'd get if they joined the Big Ten? And if the money doesn't meet it, then they'll just go to the Big Ten. But that that seems to be where we're at now because 
I mean, the Pac-12 seems to be a handful of teams just kind of floundering. They might make a jump to the Big 12, but I don't think that's anything seismic that really changes the game. Um, it seems like we've got two big conferences, and I don't see a move that allows you to catch up. No, I mean, Notre Dame, I think I think Brian's right. Notre Dame did significantly increase the conference's revenue from whenever they joined it in football. But people are criticizing the ACC for not holding Notre Dame's feet to the fire, making them join. But then you didn't really have any leverage. Notre Dame was never going to join the ACC fully. Yeah. And now I think at first I was like, okay, well, I do. I've always thought that they'd be a better cultural fit with the Big Ten. And so if they were to join any conference, I'd see them joining them. But really what I think happened, because Max, in my opinion, where it's all going is that there's going to be a split, right? You're going to at least have another division of college football happen with the top programs. It could be 40 programs. It could be 60. But at the top, are going to split away from the rest of the FBS and do their own division. Eventually, I think they're going to break away from the NCAA altogether, right? Whether they go straight away from the NCAA in one move or it's gradual where they split away in a new division and then leave, I don't know. But that's where I feel like it's going. And I think Notre Dame now, if they have to join a conference, they will. It'll probably be the Big Ten. I don't yeah. see why they would turn down a lot less money per year to join the ACC. Again, the ACC is going to figure something like $40 million a year per year, per school, and the Big yeah. Ten is going to be about $100 million after they re- redo their TV contract. If the Notre Dame joins the ACC, maybe you get – maybe bump it to 45 maybe. Maybe some if you if you get another school somewhere somehow maybe you you can argue for fifty from ESPN, but you're just not gonna. There's nothing. There's no options left to make up that gap. And your deal's so, locked in for a long time. Notre Dame can right. get more money as an independent. They can get with you. So why would they right. agree to just give away more give so, away more money? If they were to go to any conference, it would be the Big Ten, in my opinion. But I think that they can afford, especially if they get the independent TV deal contract that they're right now shopping and marketing for. I think they want to do it. NBC slash Fox thing or ESPN where they they're getting on their own $75 million a year, which I think their TV deal right now is like 30, 35. So they're asking for a giant raise in their own TV contract just to be independent. And if they're successful, I think that they're just going to ride it out until that split happens that we're talking about down, down the line. It could be, it could be 10 years from now. It could be 15 or 20 years, but it's going to happen. I think everyone, even all the administrators and presidents around college football all believe they all talk about every time they get together and they write all these articles uh, with all these quotes from them all saying that this is happening. So I think, I think I Notre Dame ideally wants to just sit pat, get their own independent deal, sit there until the split happens and then join whatever that looks like. Uh, but if they have to, they'll join the big 10. And I think that, I think if you're the ACC, again, your best bet is to try to get Notre Dame to join. I just don't see it happening. And if Notre Dame in fact does not join the ACC fully, then you're kind of screwed. Yeah. Um, and these, again, right now to get out with your own rights, your TV rights, I think it'll cost the school between it's probably 300 to $500 million. And every year, though, that's going to go down. Every year you get closer to 2036, that value goes down. You can get closer and closer. I think when Maryland sued the ACC to get out of their uh, rights, with, uh, to leave with their rights, to hop to the Big Ten, they end up paying half of what they really owed. So even if you think you can do that, you still need minimum about $250, $300 million. I, again, I just don't see any team trying to do that until closer to 2030. So, but yeah, I mean, again, I think we're still years from that happening. And I think, I think the one thing you take away from this past week from the, the commissioner's comments is you're, you're kind of stuck until you feel comfortable making, writing that large of a check to make the jump. Because like you said, I, I think it seemed pretty clear the ACC 
isn't going to get it there. But I, I think that does it for this episode, man. I appreciate y'all listening. I know it was a little bit of a longer one, but I, I felt like we had a lot of good information. You guys got to hear how much I love Virginia, which is just wonderful. Uh, so I appreciate you guys listening. Thanks for joining us. For Brian, Max, and John, uh, that's a wrap. Thank you.